Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and thanks for tuning in to Relationship Wednesdays. I'm Dr. Nefertiti Noel. And I'm Darren Noel. We last last week um, played the original cast yep. of our conversation about work relationships. And so this week we wanted to do a question and answer and answer some of the questions that you guys have emailed to us, Facebook to us, about um, job and work-related stress and issues and relationships, okay? So for those of you all who don't know or for those of you all who do, I, I'm going to offer a reminder for you. Um, I run a thriving private practice right outside of Chicago, Illinois, and uh, we do everything from behavioral health, um, from individual group therapy, medication management, public speaking, and um, image control. There? Yep. And my background is in corporate America, and here at Noel Associates, I focus on mock interviews, resume consults, and uh, career counseling. Got it. Thanks, Darren. So listen, let's just say this. Everybody works, yes. right? And if you work, you have relationships that work. Even for those of you all that work remotely, you work from home, you have uh, Skype meetings, online meetings, all these different things that you do. You do all of these different things with your work relationships. And we want to give you some time to talk about how to manage these work relationships because it's more than eight, nine hours a day uh, five days a week, sometimes six days a week that people work. And, folks, you know, your relationships at work are crucial to your success at your work, your career, how far you're going to go. The further you go up the corporate ladder, the more your relationships are going to come into play on how you can get along with people, how you can motivate your team, how you relate to all different levels of your organization, okay? So these are key. There's a couple of so let's kind of summarize real quick what we did last week. Uh, two weeks ago from our conversation about work relationships. We talked about knowing your boss, getting an understanding of his communication, his or her communication style, what's important to them. We talked about um, knowing your company. Each company is different. What's the core values that that company uh, is looking for? What's their vision? How do they uh, view their key metrics, what they consider important? That's always important to know. Um, talking about letting yourself be known by your company. Let people know um, again after you get hired what what your kind of your hobbies are, what your career goals are. Kind of a little bit about your family so they get to know you, so they feel comfortable with you. Um, it's important for you to also we talked about knowing your corporate values. What do you think is right or wrong? How do you feel people should be treated? Um, do you believe in empowering people? Things of that nature. What's your kind of corporate stance? What's your leadership style? What's your leadership style? Mm -hmm. Things of that nature. So you can have understanding of who you are professionally. You may know who you are um, socially, but who are you as a professional person? Right. And those things are important for you to understand. And can be different, by the way. And it can be different. I, I've known several people, if you ever done, like, the personality studies, and uh, they're one way at work, and, they, and uh, coworkers of mine say, you know what, I'm totally different at, at home. The person was very aggressive, very assertive at home. He said, at home, hey, whatever my wife wants to do, that, that's it. I'm, I'm not asserting whatsoever at home. Like, really? Mm -hmm. Like, that's totally not how you're at work. He said, but at home, I'm a totally different person. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's important for you to understand who you are, mm -hmm. okay? We also talked about knowing your coworkers. You know, outside of your boss, your coworkers are vital for your success in a career also because people talk, people can share information or not share information, finding out who those key coworkers are, you know, the go-to people who your boss may rely on for information, whether they have a position of leadership officially or not, finding out who those key coworkers are and make sure you're building good relationships. Last one we talked about was as a leader, what's your responsibility for a leader um, in corporate America and building a relationship with your team and setting the vision for your individual team. 
Absolutely. Okay, so a lot of good stuff, so definitely go back. If you didn't hear it yet, go back and listen to the, the podcast on that. Get some good information for you, okay? Absolutely. Now, before we get into the questions, a couple things I want people to know. We're not in your work environment, right? So when you send a question in to us, we answer the best that we can, but we're not in your work environment. So if you need some individual assistance, if you feel like, listen, I need some real coaching on how to manage my, my work relationships, Contact the office and ask to speak directly to Darren. Either make an appointment to see him, he can do it. We can use technology. But yep. you really want to be making sure because so many people now aren't retiring at 60. They're going to 65. People are working to 70 years old because that's the way finances are rolling. And so you have to be really careful that you're keeping your corporate, your work image intact. Absolutely. You don't want to burn any bridges or things like that because guess what? You may need to come back to a company you previously worked with. Maybe 20 years maybe ago. Maybe 20 years ago because, like you said, 60 years old, and you know, I need a couple more years of work and more employment, and I need something different for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to start reading the questions. I'm going to, Darren, just jump into the questions. Sure, and go then ahead. Them. The first one says, how do you recover from a bad performance review? That's a, that's a great question because um, obviously the feedback is coming from your boss, supervisor, manager, whatever the case may be, providing you feedback uh, on your performance, and hopefully if you've had a good relationship with your manager and they're doing a good job, that poor performance should not be a surprise to you. Right? But it's always, in my opinion, when you sit down and do that final review, there should be no surprises on there. Throughout the year, you should know if you are meeting your goals or you're not meeting your goals or you're part, you know, ex uh, significantly uh, exceeding your goals. And so it should be no surprise when it comes to the end of the year when you sit down. This is a confirmation of all the different conversations we've had, okay? So take that for what it's worth. Ideally, that's what happens. But let's say – for whatever reason, it's a surprise, or it is a bad. You know, you've been struggling all year, and at, at the end of the year, you, for whatever reason, did not meet goals, did not meet those key objectives. So you have a bad performance review, okay? Um, what I would definitely recommend to do is have a sit-down meeting with your manager, finding out um, what you need to do to close the gap. And maybe say, here's what I've been doing, okay? Obviously, I'm not able to, I have not been able to achieve that key, that key metric, Okay, I need your help in helping me to achieve this. What can I do? Here's the plans that I've laid out. Okay, is there something that I'm missing? Is there something that um, I am doing incorrectly? Am I reviewing the data wrong? What is the, what is the gap? And once you have start that conversation, I would set up a routine meeting with them, reoccurring meeting with them, that you're sitting with them on a regular basis, so you can get feedback on how you're performing toward improving your performance. Okay, so it's not a one-time conversation where they're giving you feedback at the end of the year. Now you're not going to talk to them again through the through the end of next year. Then you find out you had another year of poor performance. You know, I'm going to start meeting with you once a month, every other week, depends on how how bad the situation is. Mm -hmm. And so they can give you feedback on if you are making improvement. Because a lot of times you could think you're making improvement, but that's not really how they saw it. Or you know, you know they they judge how you perform based on one metric and you weren't even aware of that. You were judging your performance in that category based on something else, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, they, they're, you think that they're basing on sales, but, you know, they're looking at sales growth. You know, you met a goal, but I expected you to go 10% higher. Well, I didn't know that. So you want to make sure you're on the same page. But the only that way that happens is through specific converse, conversations. And, you know, your manager owes you the details of what it takes for you to meet your goals, okay, what it, what it makes – what it's going to take for you to be successful, what is it going to take for you to meet either meets or exceeds on, on uh, overall performance. Okay? They owe that to you. So 
by asking for that and um, you know really requesting that, that's not out of bounds of what you should be asking. They they owe that information to you. Yeah. Let me say a couple of things. When Darren said a bad performance review shouldn't be a surprise to you, let me clarify what that means. It means that along the way you should have been getting correction on the things that as they come up um, over the course of your six months. Or I, I don't know how often your performance reviews are, but right. – they should be telling you what's going on, okay, so that you are aware. So let me tell you what that consists of. Bob, you're not meeting your numbers. Uh, Cindy, we got a re- report that your customer service wasn't right. You've missed 72 days out of 80. That's not, I mean, you should be knowing that these things are coming coming along. Absolutely. If your manager is constantly asking you, hey, I need that report, I need that report, I need that report, and he shows up at the end of the year and says, you know, you're late on your reports, you have to give me indirect feedback. Or you probably even before that, you say, hey, listen, I keep having to ask you for these reports. You know they're due every month. You know they're due the first of every month. Why do I have to keep reminding you? Mm-hmm. Okay? So when you get at the end of the year, you have performance review, they say, you know, you're late on your reports, you're below. You're that right should now. not be a surprise. You're like, how in the world does that happen? Now, let me say that sometimes mistakes get made by managers. For whatever reason, sometimes managers don't. So I'm, if we lived in a perfect work work world, yes, you would already know. But I have I have worked with hundreds of people that come in and say, Dr. Noel, I've never gotten a bad review in my life. I got a new boss. And here's usually where you get a lot of performance review issues. When you had a boss part of the six months and a different boss the other Absolutely. part of the six months, they have different standards. One person thinks you're great. The other one thinks you're not so great. And so you come out with a bad review. That can happen. You also need to know in bad reviews, is it, is it true? Right, correct. Are you really not performing your job? So, like, there are some people who always exceeded their job. Maybe you're supposed to close 50 cases, but you closed 260. Then the next year you close 15, and they say, well, what happened? I thought that you could do 260. Now you're down to, to 250. What, what went on? So sometimes you can set yourself up for a bad review. Another thing is know why the bad review is happening. Um, have you offended someone? So things that maybe they used to let go, they don't let go because we all know that there are formal rules that work and then informal rules that work. Absolutely. And so sometimes you can offend your manager and then they start being crit- more critical of what they see you do. So is it true what they're saying, number one? Number two, how can you, without their support, do you know what it would take to go in and correct the situation? If you're doing a job, especially when you've been doing longer than a year or so and you should know the job, can you are you working on always being better at what you do? The third thing is if you don't know how to correct it and they can give you the support, are you amicable enough to get the support or are you argumentative? You know, a lot of people like one thing not to do from a bad review is curse out the reviewer or huff <laughs> up or holler and scream or you're a liar. If you really want to contest the the information in, find out what the protocol is, and then do that written response or whatever the things are that it requires. So the best way to recover, I guess long story short, is find out if what you believe they're saying to be true is true and if you've got the resources to fix the issue. Mm-hmm. And make sure you understand how they are judging that performance for you. You need to understand because whose responsibility is it? It's your responsibility because it's your performance review. It's not your boss's responsibility. Ideally, you know, he's going to give you all this, but if you don't have an understanding of how they're judging your performance, if any question, it's your responsibility to get that information from your boss so you can be successful in your performance review. Absolutely, absolutely. Second question, I've been off on disability for several months, and I'm afraid of backlash at work. How do I handle this? You know, that's kind of uh, one of those situations where it almost it is what it is. Right, I mean, you're you're coming back. You've done the proper paperwork. You've followed 
the rules of with at, at your job and now you're coming back. You know, people may look at you funny, whatever the case may be, but at the, at the end of the day, you know, you were not taking advantage of the system. You know, you had a legitimate reason for being off. And guess what? I'm go, I'm here to come back to work. Okay? And I'm 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 leaving you like that. There are formal rules again. Mm-hmm. The formal rules are most jobs you have the right to take time off and, and people need to do what they have to do for their health. But they're informal rules. Maybe you being gone made Susie Snowflake do two jobs because they weren't going to replace the person because your job is protected by FMLA. You you could possibly feel backlash from that. So what you have to do is go to work and do your job. Just and it's hard. That's it. You you have to stop worrying about what anybody else is saying. Go to work and do your job. If there's side comments being made, let them go. Go to work and do your job. That's how you that's how you come back from that. You go to work and you do your job. That's it. I think I, you mentioned. I think the, the main thing understanding. Guess what? You did the right thing. You followed the procedures. You were not taking advantage of it. So you should not feel bad. And I'm going back to work. Yeah, I don't classify like that. Whether people think you're taking advantage I'm of not, you oh, internally. Right, right. I mean, if you know you did something wrong and you were shifty and stuff like Whatever. that, you're going to feel bad. Right, right. But if you know, hey, but I think some people feel bad even when they don't because most people actually want to go to work. I think that's the desire of most people. And so when they're off work, it's a feeling of I needed to take care of myself. But, man, other people have to do, do this work or do that work. Know that that's their job. It's their right. job to cover the areas when you're not there. So do, go back and do your job once you get back. Agreed. Okay. Next question. Go ahead and read that one. The next the next question. I arrived late to work a great deal, uh, by five or ten minutes or so, but um, but I stay late. I went to my supervisor and explained that I cannot get there earlier. Can I use a leverage that I stay late to save my job? You know, that depends on the individual job. Some jobs are going to be like, you know what, it's not flexible. I You have to be here at whatever the time, at 9 o'clock, 8 o'clock, whatever it means. And it's a non-negotiable for this particular job. I need you here. I don't care if you stay late. I need you here at 8 o'clock for whatever reason. I need you to address this issue. You, you know, we have people uh, crossing at that point in time. You need to share information with somebody else. It's a point conference call. It always, it always happens at 8 o'clock, whatever the case may be. So it depends on the job. So if that's a key requirement for the job, you may need to look for, say, I need to find another job within this company that's not uh, is not as rigorous with the hours, but it has more flexibility or before possibly look for another job. You know, you can always ask for a work accommodation, and you can always, if there's, a like, a reason that, that you can prove medically or that there's some other reason and you've got um, some support to back you up with that, if you can prove that in black and white, most jobs allow you to ask for accommodation. Um, with that being said, everybody would like to arrive a little bit later, leave a little bit earlier, do lunch for two hours instead of one hour. So I think... You have to be clear, if this is a lifestyle issue, your work-life balance works where you can only get to work at 8.15, you're supposed to start at 8. If you know that's going to be long-term and those things are going to ding you every time that you're late, then you need to figure out a way through human resources and through the protocol at your job to get an accommodation for that. If not, then if if they hire you to work from 8 to 4.30 and you work from 8.15 to, 8, I mean, to 4.45, though you may feel like I'm just making up, that right. 15 minutes, what what didn't get done from 8 to 8.15, right? right? It really depends on the job, how critical that right. that starts on this. Right. The next thing is, what are the appropriate boundaries at work? Lots of people like to go out after work, but I want to go home. I can tell some distances for me, but I just really want to get back to my family. How do I handle this? That's a great question, and it comes up a lot, right, because we all have families, and 
some companies are a lot more social than others, right? So it depends on the corporate culture because every company is different. Um, what I try, I'd say is at least once or twice you want to be a part of that. I know one company that uh, that I was with one time, they like to play basketball, you know, after work, okay? It was, a, it was kind of not a big deal, but, you know, hey, we want to see you out there. You know, we were playing ball. It's team building. We feel comfortable with you. So guess what? I mean, I'd go every week, but once or twice I did arrange my schedule so I could go out and be a part of that team. So, hey, I am, you know, I am a part of the team. I don't, it's not like I don't like you, but I have family commitment. So if I can work it in the schedule once a month, when you guys go every week, maybe once a month, once every other month, I can come out there and, and, and enjoy the festivities with you guys. Okay? And that's how I would handle it. I got to say, I've when I I've always been at jobs where they wanted me to play with them after work, and it's been always difficult because my schedule has always been so compact that I need to get back where I need to be when I need to be there. And a lot of people maybe they've got another work life balance and maybe they can be gone from home for hours. Maybe they don't want to go home. What I did to resolve that issue is I did my playing with coworkers at lunchtime. Um, hey, you guys, let's all go out here. Let's all go out there. So that you are a part of what the team is doing, mm-hmm. but you don't have to do it. Because I understand that, like, if I've been with you eight, nine hours a day, what are we doing at 530 that we couldn't have done at 12 to 1245 at yeah. lunchtime? So I get it, but you have to – right now this team spirit is really big at companies. They want everybody to be happy. There's a lot of work stress. So they do have what I call mandatory funds. You're going to have to figure out how to manage maybe once a month or how to do that at lunchtime or how to let the team know, man, I really wish I could come, but, you know, I've got this two-year-old and my husband works a split shift and i got to get home. Like, you shouldn't have to explain that, but people feel slighted, especially once the job kind of has a culture of hanging out when you don't participate in nothing. This goes back to what we talked about in the previous show, letting your company know about you, right? So if you do have uh, babysitter challenges or, you know, Something going on after work, you got to pick up the kids. It's important that your coworkers, you know, people kind of know that. See, I'm a little bit different than that. I sort of feel like if I had a job ask me before, why can't you stay past 6 o'clock? And I was just thinking in my head, I don't want to. I don't want to. That is so aggravating. Why do I have to give you eight, nine hours a day and then hang out with you for three hours at night? It's like, it gets messy, Darren. I'm not saying that. Will you messy. go to happy hour with coworkers, but, Darren? But listen, though, for real. Listen. How many times have people, I know people that got fired, they got a little too tipsy at happy hour, sure. they touched somebody, now we're talking about sexual harassment. Understood. I, I still believe it's important that folks know, hey, let's say you take public transportation to work, Right. Why is it, why is why is uh, Darren always rushing out at this time? Oh, he can take a train. Oh, yeah, that's why. You know, let, let's set the meeting up so he can be there. So you know, he has to catch that train. It's right. so people are aware of why you're doing what you're doing. Okay. And when when you have a uh, after work personal uh, commitment, and those times when you do come out, like, hey, we appreciate you making time out of your personal time to come out here once a month, once every month to come out here because you're showing us that you do care about the team even though you have other personal commitments. Yeah, like your house. I mean, I don't know, Darren. I, <laughs> you and I have always, I've always thought this. It's like people, oh, you know, never, you never come out and hang out with us after work. And I still I still get frustrated by that. Why should I do that? I don't have a problem with someone can't do that every single time. 
You know, I know people do it for lunchtime. Let's the whole group go but out. But that's what I'm saying. Make it a lunch. Now, oh, I was good for that. Not, that's I not had, me. When I worked at this one place, I had lunch with the group every day. Like, I was I, like, awesome. That is not, that's totally not me. Like, my lunchtime is, is, is mine. I like to get myself ready for work, focus on what I need to do. Maybe call my wife, check in with her. You so, didn't call me today for lunch. What, what did you really do at lunch? I did. Okay, thank okay, you, okay. Thank you, thank you, thank okay. you. Okay. So, Everybody's different, so you got to kind of find a workaround to still do what you need to do uh, personally with you, but also at least try in some form of fashion um, appease the group. Well, I put it on my husband. I said my husband gets really aggressive if I'm not home with dinner ready at a certain time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question says, how do you ask for a raise? Good question. Everybody wants more money, right? The, for me, the biggest thing on raise is data Data, data, information, verification, showing why you deserve a raise. Without without any documentation or, or data why you deserve a raise, it's just your opinion. So that's not really in the cards. Also, I think it's important to understand the corporate culture. Is that company the type that give raises? I don't know that many companies, you know, that used to say, yeah, I'm going to ask for a raise and get a raise. More, 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 is, most of the time now it's at a set time of year. It's based on performance. Um, and it only happens at, at, on an annual basis, okay? So, but every company is different. Some companies, you know, you don't have it set in. It's just when you achieve something, then you get a raise. So w whenever, it, however it's going to work, you have to have information and data, documentation stating why you deserve a raise, meaning these were all my uh, metrics, the KPI is what I had to achieve. I've significantly exceeded all of these in the time frame that was allocated. I believe I'm due for of this raise. And, you know, that raise may come with, okay, you've done very well here. Here's another position for you. Or we're going to expand your position. You're over uh, East Coast. Now you're in Canada, East Coast and Midwest. Okay. Right. You were over, you were dealing with one plant. Okay, but we have another plant um, a couple cities away that's kind of struggling. We're going to have you put over two plants. Okay, so that, that may come up as you ask for a raise. They say, okay, we do see that you are uh, highly impactful to the company, doing very well. We're going to give you that raise, but here's some more responsibilities going to come along with it. So be prepared for that. Let me say something. Be prepared for them to say no as well. Yes. Um, raises don't happen because you need a new car. Raises don't happen because, you you know, your kid left and you need to give them money to pay for their apartment. Generally, there is a salary cap on a lot of positions just based on the work that you do, not on your worth as an individual, but like, um, so right now they are picketing about having minimum wage go up to $15, and people are really fighting to have that done. Right. And the companies are arguing the job that you do is not a $15 an hour job. And so we, we wanted these jobs to be for teenagers after school or on the weekends, and so we could pay them 8 $9, right? Yes. And so when an adult says, well, man, I can't feed my kids on that. I need $20 an hour, it, it's not always going to be possible. I think that's a great point. And, again, it talks about the specifics. You know, we're just going from a general question here. Is 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 your the raise you're asking? Did you get another degree? Did you? Or is it within the pay range for your position? Correct. Correct. Right? Are you trying to, you know, your pay range is, you know, from uh, – X to Y, and you're trying to move to Z, or you're just trying to get closer to Y. That's the that's the, the correct information we don't have here. That's the that you know when you're trying to move out of your pay scale, that's a total different situation. Now we're talking about where well, you're going to need to change positions. That's truly with truly trying to do that. Absolutely. If you're trying to trying to get to the closer uh, cap for your position, then 
bringing up data, having having that uh, information to share. Mm-hmm. And I would have that information um, really tied into performance review time is a good time. Just kind of but, you know, yeah. so put that on your, you know, so if you had your performance review back in March, right, well, let's say it's coming up in May, or you're going to have your performance review with your boss, and he gives you that annual increase. You know what? Well, I'd really like to see this be bigger next year, next mm-hmm. time raises. What do I need to do to get a, a bigger raise? Absolutely. And have that conversation with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Next question. And this one is a good one. It says, I have kids that may call me a lot on my cell phone. But job hates it. But what can I do? This this is a big one because I know I've seen it um, where it's caused issues, people are too much on the cell phone. You know, you're in a meeting. We can't find it. You're always on the phone. You know, you're supposed to be here at work. Um, one thing is it set times, you know, with your kids to to talk to them. They need to be talked to that frequently. You know, my lunchtime is this time. I can take a break this time. So they're not randomly calling throughout the day, but there's set time, you know. I got a break at nine o'clock. I got lunch at noon. Another break in the afternoon, and have that planned out if possible. Okay, if if that's at all possible. Okay. You know, one of the things you want to work on is setting boundaries with your children. I mean, unless you have a chronically ill child that has to. I mean, those things are very different. And then again, this is something you work work out with HR for an accommodation. I have yes. a, you have a chronically ill child. You have your mother at home who's ill and you're taking care of her. I mean, if those are things you're doing, you, you formally set up accommodations for that. If it's that Billy and Susie, okay, they text you when they get home from school, okay, that's fine. Then they beat each other up over a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and they text you to figure that out. <laughs> those are not really reasons to be calling you at work. I mean, so you have to set some boundaries about these are callable issues, these are not, I cannot take phone calls at work unless it's an emergency who is the adult that's going to be with them, manage that through the adult, hey, make sure that they know. Because a lot of jobs are just like, why are you on the phone when you should be working? That's a safety hazard. Are you operating heavy equipment? Are you working uh, patient face forward so that you're working with consumers and they see you on the phone all the time? Like, what are you doing? And so you're going to have to figure out a way to set those boundaries. And and it's simple. The kids are calling because you keep picking up. Stop picking up, especially if it's over um, things that are not emergent, and let them know that, listen, I can talk to you like Darren said at 9, noon, and then I'll call you on my ride home. We talk all the way on the ride home. Right. But you're going to have to set some limits for that. Yep. Agreed. Um, I feel picked on, number seven, I feel picked on by my peers. Um, I am almost ashamed to admit this, but they do not like me, and I do not know why. Is there a way to change this? And I say nothing to be ashamed about because not everybody's going to get along. So, but but taking a look into that question, um, again, we're just going from there. I don't know if this is it's always been like that or something changed and now everybody, you know, you made a decision or you, you did something or didn't do something and now everybody's upset with you, so now they're mad at you. Or, you know, they've ever since you started, just for whatever reason, just the chemistry wasn't there, you just guys just didn't get along. Um, so to to be determined, it could be someone that you have. Is there any, anybody at work? that you are friendly with, who can kind of maybe give you some feedback. Hey, well, you, know, you know what's going on? Um, based on your relationship with your boss, you can bring it to them. You know, if you, if you have that kind of relationship with them, you can ask them, say, um, I don't have any problem here, but it seems like some people are angry with me. Is anything going on? You know, maybe they're aware of it. Maybe they're not aware of it. Um, so, again, depending on your relationship with your boss, I'm not sure if he's considered one of the people that don't like you either, but if you have a good relationship with them, that's something that you may want to bring up with them kind of ask them maybe some feedback. Hey, am I doing something to offend my coworkers in any form or fashion? And, uh, you know, because he may, he or she may be aware of something that 
your coworkers told them of what I really had to share with you. Mm-hmm. You know what? You know, last week at the monthly uh, meeting, you threw that, that team under the bus. You know, you shared some information that you guys should probably handle internally. You kind of blew it up and shared the information out. It kind of embarrassed everybody. Mm-hmm. It's, that may be something like that. So you got to get some feedback from someone who is willing to share that information with you in confidence. Absolutely. And if, and, and to me, you people kind of generally know what the deal is. So search your own awareness and see if you can kind of narrow down what the problem is. But I agree with Darren. This sounds more like an HR issue. You go to HR and say what's going on, or you go to your manager and figure out if, if the environment's to do that. Yep. So last question. We, we, we've only got about 90 seconds. Number eight, love the job, hate the pay. Should I stay because I'm happy or leave? Really depends on what your priority is. You know, if you're okay with, uh, obviously you hate the pain, but I'm not, you know, how much that impacted you financially or not. You may not like it, but you're still, your lifestyle's still okay and stuff like that. But if you want the more money, you know, if you love the job, maybe is there another um, position within that same company, maybe that same culture that can ha- happen to you? Is there another location you can transfer to that'll give you more money? Things of that nature. Right. Again, it's a work life balance issue. Is your sanity for sale? If so, for how much? You know, right. that, that's the question you have to ask. And I think lots of people go through that. I, I know some of the best jobs that people tell me that they ever had are the ones that paid the least. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Next question. Any advice to new managers on how to handle peers that are now your subordinates? You know, be ginger with that, okay, because obviously you don't want to burn those bridges mm-hmm. with those folks that were friends that you had before uh, and now that you moved up. You have to you have to turn the tide and make a relationship that it is where you are now in charge, okay? But I wouldn't try and embarrass them or overdo it in front of them. Like, you got to listen to me now. Now I'm the boss and I'm going to bust you out. Um, and if you know some information that they had that you guys were doing together or, or stuff like that, you know, take that gingerly. You know what? I know we were doing this before. Now I can't let us continue to do this. You know, be, be ginger with that, Okay. Absolutely. Well, we're out of time. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good evening. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.